Doesn't that make you want to dance just a little bit? <laughs> At least tap your foot just a little, you know. Just, just tap your foot. I agree with Pastor JP. Uh, October is our first, uh, is our uh, membership class. And if you've never made McCord Road your home church or become a member of this congregation, uh, I would implore you as the senior pastor of this congregation to join me in becoming a member of this congregation. Uh, it'd really be good uh, for us all to be members and uh, that'd be awesome. So uh, my wife and I will be, and I, I don't know about my sons, I, I'm giving them the choice. They're kind of iffy on that right now, they're saying. But uh, we'll, <laughs> we will uh, be doing that in October. So if you've never made it your home church, we encourage you to join us in October, uh, first Sunday of October, to, uh, to, make this, uh, your, to become a member of the congregation. It's, it's a good day in the house of the Lord. Um, good news, good, good uh, atmosphere, good worship. Thank you, praise and worship team, for leading us into the presence of the Lord this morning in such a beautiful, beautiful Way and we're we're looking at this subject of fearless and intimate Second Timothy chapter one verses six and seven and we're we're looking at what it would mean to be uh, released from unnecessary fears in our lives and uh, what what could you accomplish in your life if you were not afraid of unnecessary things and the, the last year we tried uh, last year it was a good year but last week we we tried to put fear into proper context. And, uh, and I encourage you to go online and listen to that sermon if you were not able to be here. But this year, we're long, this week, my goodness, Jesus help me. This is a week, not a year we're talking about here. Um, a week is a, what is it, a day is as a thousand years. A thousand years is as a day unto the Lord. Well, a year is as a week to me, apparently. So here, here's, we're going into some new territory this morning. And here is a life key that, that if you, if you want to get it, get it. It's going to be on the screen. And if you take, if you take notes, type it in your phone. If you like to write old school, then write old school. If you want to snap a picture of it, snap a picture. However you need to, to get it, to, to remember it. Here, here's a, here's a life key. Don't focus solely on the thing that you don't have. Also recognize what you do possess. It's so easy in life to see only what we don't have, what we didn't get, what what isn't there. I remember as a kid, you, you know, you'd go back to school after Christmas break and you'd ask other people what they got for Christmas and they'd tell you. And you went excited about telling them what it is that you got for Christmas, but you left disappointed that you didn't get what they got for Christmas, you know. And and it's just, you, you, it's, it's not worth being caught up in what you don't have. There are things that you don't have in life, but there are also things that you do have. And recognizing what you have and not simply focusing on what you lack is a life key to becoming fearless and living fearless. The scripture does not just tell us what we don't have. Uh, the, the, the writer says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So there's what we don't have. And then he uses this really cool thing called a conjunction that takes one idea and flips it around. And, and the next statement's about to tell you something somewhat opposite of what the first statement just said. So God did not give us a spirit of fear, but he did give us something. Now, what did God say that I have? He said that I have the antidote to fear. The 
antidote to fear. And, and this, I believe that this antidote was, was created in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and um, I'm, I don't have time to go into all of that today. It's gonna, I'm going to try to put it on my blog this week, uh, MikeSutton.com. And if you like to read blogs, then I hope that it will bless you. Uh, and if you're not interested in it, you know, that's okay too. The, uh, but, but God has given us a spiritual cocktail and he explains what it is. He says it's a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. Now, fear will try to cause you to focus on the things that you don't have, because if you're freaked out about what you don't have, you won't use what you do have. People become paralyzed. One day I was in a, in a men's room. It was right after the uh, air dryer for hand drying came, the air dryers came out. And uh, you remember they used to sound like a jet engine was starting in the, in the bathroom. And so, so I was over there and... Uh, the Brian, my hands, and and suddenly somebody came up behind me and went like this and grabbed me. And whenever he did, um, I, I turned just without even thinking. I turned and I balled up my fist and I hit my father directly, <laughs> directly in the solar plexus. I mean, and and he went. Hmm. Like that. And I saw his face go slack and, and, and then my face went white and, um, and I knew that either Jesus was gonna come or I was gonna see him anyway because I was about to die. And, and, uh, and, and finally the engine went off on the dryer and I stood there looking into the eyes of my father and he said, at least I know you'd fight. <laughs> And I'll never forget that moment. It was a moment of realization that I actually could do something about the situation if it were to happen to me. I didn't stand there afraid. If you recognize what God has given you, that will be the first step in your life to resisting the spirit of fear in your life. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind. That word power in the Greek there, it's the word for miraculous power, miraculous ability and abundance in our life. And that word love is affection or benevolence. And that word, the sound mind, it means the ability or self-discipline, self-control. It's actually my favorite one of all three. And I'll, I can't wait to tell you about it. But, the, uh, but it's, it, it's the ability to, to uh, make good choices even in difficult moments. Moments, and that's that sound mind. And the enemy would love to tell you that you are hopeless and that you are helpless, but you are not hopeless and helpless. The scripture says, God declares that as a believer, you have miraculous power, you have divine love, and you have the self-control to make right decisions all within you right now. You have the spirit of power in your life. You're not helpless. You're not hopeless. And this morning, as we unpack this spirit of power, I have three thoughts for you. And that first thought is this. The spirit of power gives you choice. It gives you choice. The soldiers in the Garden of Gethsemane walked into the garden, and these are the Roman soldiers. These are the, the top tier of military forces in the world in that time. Everybody knew about the Roman legions. Everybody was afraid of them. Everybody knew that a Roman soldier was considered the best soldier in that day. And so he, they, the, the soldiers walk into the garden, and they're ready to take on this 
this troublemaker named Jesus. And, and they say, they, as, as they approach this group that's in the garden, they, 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 they look at them and then the Bible tells us that Jesus did something unique. He said, who are you looking for? Now, it's not unique that he said those words, but it's unique that he didn't wait for them to declare what they were doing. He said, who are you looking for? And then they said, in verse number 5 of John 8, 18, he said, Jesus the Nazarene. And Jesus said, I am he. And when he said, I am he, Scripture tells us that they all drew back and fell to the ground. Here are big, bad Roman soldiers that just stumble back and fall to the ground when Jesus said, I am he. I am he. Three words. They came there in authority to take this troublemaker and put him in prison or take him away. But now they're laying on their back. And Jesus, with three words, now stood over them with all authority and all power looking at them. Now he let them get up. He allowed them to take him prisoner and lead him away. He became their prisoner, but he was a prisoner by choice. He wasn't helpless and he wasn't hopeless. He gave himself. See, the spirit of fear, it fights the power you have by convincing you that you're a victim in the situation that you're in. If you're a victim then that means that the world is happening to you and you're not happening to the world. It means that you're powerless to make a difference or or make a decision. It it means that the, that the, the, the enemy has the ability to push you around completely, but the enemy is wrong. You are not a victim. You are not powerless. See, the victim is put upon. The victim is put down. It's con- the, the victim is controlled. The victim doesn't have the ability to make things happen. The victim is always responding to what actually is happening around here and, and around them. And the world, it really thrives on a victim mentality because as long as you hold on to that victim mentality, you cannot take authority in a situation. But it also destroys your faith in God. Because God tells us repeatedly that we have strength, that we have power, that He is for us. And if He's for us, who could be against us? And He tells us consistently that we're His children and that He covers us and that He blesses us and that He cares about us and that He he knows the hairs on our head and He's numbered them and he, He understands about us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. But a victim says that nobody's for me. I'm all by myself. I can't do anything about it. And the statement of the victim mentality speaks directly against the statement of God Almighty. And so if the statement that I'm making is disagreeing with the statement that He's making, then I've put myself in conflict with my Savior. And I cannot operate in authority and power. You see, a victim mentality keeps us submitted to wrong authorities to the point where a drowning person, a person that feels like they're drowning, they will, they will thrash and they will, they will work and they will fight to try to keep above the water. And, and ultimately, there are times when they will even destroy the very people who are trying to save them. They will bring them down because they're uncontrolled. But when you have Jesus with you, 
When Jesus is on your side, when He is walking with you, when He is covering you, then you may be waiting for an answer. You may, things may be difficult. It may not be clear, but you are never in a desperate or hopeless situation when Christ is there with you. Why? Because your power is not connected to the earthly title that you hold, but to the heavenly position that you have inherited. Think about the King of England. It doesn't matter where the King of England is. The King of England is the King of England because he was born as the King of England. And if you took all the wealth that the, the, the palace has and you, you took it all away and you absolutely just did away with it and now the King of England was the poorest person on the planet, they would still be the King of England. If everybody else in their family passed away and they were left all by themselves, they're still the king of England. If there was no more England, they would still be the king of England. Because their position is based upon their birth. You are a child of God. No one can take that away from you. No one can denigrate that or, or lessen that in your life. You are a child of the living God. And Jesus has given you His power. He's given you His power. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20 says, He's been given all authority and He is with you. Acts 1, 8 says, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And our text, 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, You, the believer... Have the spirit of power in your life. Think about it this way. Let's say you are drowning. Let's say you are sinking into the water. Can you really drown when Jesus walks on water? How are you going to go under when he can just walk over there and pick you up again? You have authority. Thought number two, you must exercise the power that's given to you. If you have power and you don't use it, it's the same thing as not having power. If you walk into your house today and say, there's no electricity, and you never flip the switch, you could have electricity for years and live in the dark. In a few months, you're going to be chilly if you don't use any power. You're going to be chilly. I'll let you borrow the parka that somebody delivered to the office this week. I'll, I'll let you borrow it. It's nice. It's warm. I, I started sweating just looking at it. It was amazing. Jesus exercised his, his authority in two ways. First, Jesus addressed the situation. He addressed it. He didn't wait for the soldiers to say, let me tell you what we're doing here. He said, who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? He stepped out and said, let me address this situation even as it's happening right now. Can I tell you this? You will never have power in a situation that you won't address. You're having issues at work. You're having issues at school. That that situation really isn't working out the way that you thought it would. But you're not saying anything about it. You can't have any power or influence in something that you will not address in your life. 
Sometimes the difference between being a success and not so successful is just the willingness to step up and say, let me address this situation. It doesn't mean you have to be rude. It doesn't mean you have to be mean. It doesn't even mean you have to have all the answers. It just means that you have the ability, that you have the willingness to step up into something and say, let's deal with this right now. Let's deal with it right now. Secondly, Jesus took responsibility. He addressed it and then he took responsibility. They said, we're looking for Jesus. And he did not say, shoot, you just missed him. (laughs) He was just here. He said, I am he. He took responsibility in the moment. And you will never exercise power in a situation in which you refuse responsibility. It won't happen. You might say, well, it's not my responsibility. That's okay, and you won't operate in power within it. The minute you engage it, you're taking responsibility within it. Jesus said, I am He. I'm going to say something hard. I don't know if I said it in my first, in the first service or not, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it now and I'm going to ask you to think about it for a minute because it might hit you. If you're dealing with this, it might hit you. So the person who cries about weakness but refuses to accept any responsibility should stock up on tissue because nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change unless you say, I'm going to do something about this. But when you expect, when you start accepting responsibility and say, I'm going to do something about the situation that I'm in, God will start blessing the right thing that you're doing. We tell people all the time when the Financial Peace University, I, I think that we offer that in this church. And if we don't offer that, we need to offer that because it, it has blessed so many people. It's not just about getting out of financial debt. It's also about managing the finances that God has given you. And it's a, a great way to do it. And Christy and I were in a, a difficult place financially and we were trying to figure out how to get out of debt. And, and, and so we just started getting out of debt. We just made a decision. We're going to do it. And so every month we would have a, a well, every week. We had a splurge night. On Wednesday night after service, we would take the boys to McDonald's and everybody would order off the dollar menu. It got to the point where, uh, where one of our sons would say, Dad, can we go to sub- such and such a place? And, one of our, and our other son would say, no, Ramsey says no. <laughs> Dave Ramsey teach- does the Financial Peace University. But we got out of debt. We took responsibility for the situation and God began to bless the right things we were doing. And ultimately we were able to do what needed to be done. So you can exercise the spirit of power because you have the spirit of power. You choose power when you recognize what's happening and decide that it's not going to control you. I'm not going to be controlled by this anymore. I'm just going to go with the flow because, well, that happened. I must do this. No, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a minute. You choose power when you take the time to make well-thought-out decisions, even when you're feeling pressured. Sometimes the best thing for you to do is when the salesperson is saying, buy this, what can I do to make this happen right now? Let's get this done. Say, I'm going to take 24 hours and think about this. Salespeople need to feed their family. Businesses need to operate. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you 
say, I need to take a few minutes. You might go back there and buy the same thing that you were talking about a moment ago. You may choose to say yes, but it gives you the opportunity. You take authority. You take responsibility. You operate in power when you say, I'm going to take a few minutes to think about this. When instead of rushing to take your test, you say, you know what, I'm going to take a minute to collect myself before I just start on this timed exam. I'm just going to take a minute, I'm going to pray for a second, I'm going to collect my thoughts, and then I'm going to operate with power in this exam moment. You say, well, will that really work? I'll tell you what won't work. Being so freaked out about the time that you just start writing things down and don't think it through completely. Operate with power. You choose power when you control yourself and do what's right and do what's best for the whole, even when what's doing wrong would seem easier. You choose power when you choose words of faith and trust. Words create worlds. And when you start using words that God has ordained for you and planned for you, then you step into alignment with His plan for your life and suddenly blessing and authority and goodness flows. In your world. It's not a magical formula. It's not, it's not hocus pocus. It's not believe it so it will happen. It's not mind over matter. It's a promise of God saying, if you will do what I've called you to do and operate as I've called you to operate, then I will bless the life that you're living. It's relationship. I have two boys and, and, and right now their entire world is financed by me and Christy. Talon just got a job. Thank you, Charlie's Pizza. (laughs) Just a minute overwhelmed here for a second, but... So, hopefully that will lessen a hair, but bottom line is... Their life is better when they do what I tell them. Because their whole world is empowered by me. And that... That's a smart boy right there. (laughs) So they do better when they do what I... How much different is it with God? He is our Heavenly Father. Our whole world is empowered by Him. And when we follow His plan, our life is just better. Praise God. Thought number three. God's gift of power gives you the option of generosity. The reason why this church was able to give for the first time $58,000 is because some of us were operating from a place of power. And could be generous. Now we didn't make it a high pressured thing. We never wanted it to be high pressured. It will never be high pressured. It's about what we can give. And we can't give what God hasn't put into our life. Or or we can't give what we haven't managed well. It goes both ways. I'm not trying to be harsh. It's just reality. So so we, But some of us were able to give out of generosity. Because we were operating from a place of power. Jesus was generous with his entire life. And the reason he was generous is because he was operating from a place of power. The Father said, if you go, you're going to die. And when you die, I will raise you up again. So Jesus knew that he was going to die. But he could afford to die knowing that God was going to raise him up again. 
He was generous with his life because he understood the power that he was operating within. Moses was writing to Israel, and he said, you know what, the day's going to come whenever you have, uh, you have entered into the promised land, and you're going to be living in wealth, and things are going to be awesome, and you're going to be living in a land that's flowing with milk and honey. But I want to give you a warning in that particular day. I, want you to re- I, I don't want you to take responsibility for the success that really isn't your uh, you're doing. Understand that God has done this. In fact, he gives us a very particular verse. Verse number 18 of Deuteronomy chapter number 8. It says, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. So Moses says to Israel, God gave you the power to be successful. When you know God gave you the power to be successful, you can live a generous life. There are two, two ideas here. First, don't cre- get, take credit for what you've been given. And second, the same power that gave you access to success the first time will continue to give you access to success throughout your life. So if I know I'm going to be successful, I've got friends of mine that it seems like if they if they saw a clod of dirt and they touched it, it would instantly turn to a lump of gold. It just they have the ability to make money every time they turn around, they make money. And guess what they do? They live generously because they know they have the ability to replace what it is that they've given away. God is blessing them in that way. I know other people who write books and, and they write a book and they don't even, they just give it away. They give it, they give it, they give it because they, they produce content. That's what God has blessed them to do. He's made them successful in it and so they're able to give it away. God has blessed Christy and I to raise up churches. And so we're, we're free when people ask us, hey, how do you do that? We don't ever say, send us $19.99, three payments of $19.99 and we'll tell you the secret. If people want to know, we tell them. We talk to them. We, we, we share what we have. Why? Because God has made us successful in this. And so we operate with confidence and generosity in it. Where has God made you successful? What has He done in your life? People that are operating from a place of power can live generous, generous lives. And you have that option because God has placed that in you. That's why Scripture can record in Luke 6, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, etc. In 2 Corinthians 9, he says, The farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. He says, You must decide in your own heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly, because God loves a cheerful giver. If you look at both of those verses, those passages, the focus is not on the, 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 uh, the resource. It's not just talking about money, it's talking about all kinds of things, but any resource. But it's not on the resource, it's on the source. If you know what the source is in your life, then the resource isn't and never becomes the focus. Because you're operating from a place of power. I'm going to ask the musicians if they would come as we begin to close the service this morning, but... When we operate in confidence, it's because we are recognizing that God has given us the spirit of power. You can operate with confidence today. 
You could walk out of this service this morning and say, I can be confident in these areas because I know God has given me a spirit of power. It's not always easy. There was a particular moment in my life when, when I was, uh, everything had been going really great. Uh, everything, every th- time I turned around, things were coming up roses. I mean, it was, it was a nice way to live. It was a nice time to live. And, and everything was pretty easy. And then suddenly, because of decisions of others, everything shifted. And everything became difficult. And I remember standing in my living room and Christy was eight months pregnant with Talon and, and uh, she was, had already gone to bed. And, and, and I was in the living room and anxiety and fear was just welling up within me. And I was, I was kind of pacing back and forth because when I think and when I talk and when I write and when I preach and, and when, I, when I do everything, when I breathe, I pace back and forth. And so I was pacing back and forth and I was talking to the Lord and, 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 and not really feel like I got, getting anywhere. And this fear was coming up in me. And finally, I just made the decision, I don't have to live like this. And so, in a completely quiet house at 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning, if I remember correctly, I just yelled, No! I refuse this fear. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And to my absolute surprise... That fear and anxiety just kind of went away. And I thought, oh, done deal. But the next day I was driving to work and I was in the car. And all of a sudden I got to thinking about what was going on and that fear started creeping up in my life again. And, and I was like starting to freak out a little bit. And I, and, I, and I thought, well, if I yell right now, worked last time, but if I yell right now, Everybody's going to think I'm crazy. This is the days before Bluetooth. You couldn't just put a thing in your ear and talk to yourself and everybody thought you were on the phone. It just... (laughs) People could look in your car and tell, no, he's talking to himself. This is not a good thing. But then I decided I would rather be thought crazy than deal with this for the rest of this day. And so in my car, I yelled, no, I refuse this, this fear. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And I felt that fear go away again. And every time it would rise up, I would do the same thing. And and ultimately, I realized that the times between those moments was getting further and more and more distant. And then I came to the point where it didn't return anymore. God had given me authority over that, that spirit of fear that was trying to attach itself to my life. Now, listen, I said, uh, uh, I said last week and I said this week, we're talking about unnecessary fears. There are some real fears. And also, every type of fear is not a spiritual issue. Some folks are dealing with things that, that would really benefit you if you would see a counselor for short-term or long-term counseling. Uh, I know people who I love that are incredible men and women of, uh, that are children of God, that are strong people that take medications to help them uh, balance out hormone levels and different things of that nature. I am all for that. The reason why I'm saying that this, that I knew this was a spiritual issue I was dealing with is because when I took authority in that manner, it left. I don't know what you're dealing with in your own world today. And if you're dealing with, with uh, emotional issues and stuff like that, I encourage you. Let's help you connect with somebody that can help you with that and walk with you through your struggles and your issues. 
and help you overcome. But for most of us in this room right now, we just need to be able to stand up and take authority in the situation that we're in. Don't just let life happen to you. Happen to life. Tomorrow, walk into the office and say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to just, I'm not just going to allow this to happen to my world now. I'm going to walk in here and I'm going to be the difference that needs to be made in this office. Maybe everybody in your office, they're all crabby. Every one of them. And you find yourself walking in there and, and you become crabby too. And everybody starts gossiping and everybody starts talking about the other person. Everybody starts saying, maybe you walk in there tomorrow and you put this big smile on your face. And you walk in there and, and somebody says, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? And you, and you say, I'm not going to fall for that again. And then you think, well, my God, if I smile like that, everybody's going to think I'm weird. And then you say, from a place of authority, of power. I have the spirit of power in my life. I take, I'm the boss of me. I'm going to take authority in this situation. And I'm going to do what needs to be done simply because it needs to be done. You're not the victim. You have the spirit of power in your life. Spire our heads right now. I'm going to ask you to just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in this sermon? What what is it that you're trying to speak into my heart, into my life? What area in my world am I failing to take authority? To use that spirit of power that you've given me. Speak words of life into my family, into my friends, into my workplace. To my school. To my classmates. Maybe you take a test and you, get, you become afraid and, and anxious whenever you see that test in front of you. Maybe it's time for you to say, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. I know the material. I studied. And now I'm, I'm going to ask. 